But Ephesians 5.16, it might be important to know that the first verses you know, after what we read last week are talking about uh, how Christians are made alive and how they're, they're alive in God and we're not to live like the rest of the world. And then it makes this statement about us because as believers, we're different. We're light. We're not darkness. But he said this in the 16th verse. He said, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, what did he say in 15? See that you walk upright or circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So there's a wise way to walk as a Christian, and there's a foolish way to walk as a Christian. Understand this, God loves you both ways, but wise is the ability to be skillful in how you act. And he doesn't want people to be foolish in how they act. And foolish isn't always just telling a joke. Foolish could be the way we conduct ourselves. Would it be foolish to never obey God, but to say, I'm a believer? That would be foolish. If he dealt with me, it would, what would be wisdom is when he's dealing with me to do whatever it is he deals with me, right? In other words, uh, foolishness and wisdom are defined right there. W wisdom literally means skillful and really appropriate in action. Foolishness would be to not act appropriately, meaning this. If I know what to do and don't do it, that's foolish, right? The wise man built his house on the rock in Luke 6. And the rains descended, and what did the foolish man do? He built it on the sand. See, a lot of people have said, oh, the wise guy, he built his house on Jesus, and the foolish man didn't. No, it's not even true. Both of those people were people who were followers. The issue there was not, oh, building on Jesus. The issue was obedience to what God said. People who obey what God says are wise. People who do not are unwise. He said, if you don't obey what God deals with you about when the storms of life come, you'll collapse. You'll be overcome. But if you do what you know in God, you'll be a success. And so he wants us to be a success, so he tells us how to be successful. And notice this phrase in verse 16, redeeming the time, redeeming the time, redeeming the time. What does that mean to redeem the time? You know, when I was younger, we had what they called redemption centers, and uh, the H&S and, uh, H or whatever, the blue chip stamps and the green stamps, and you could go get these every time you bought. You know, they do different things now. They make them like if you go to McDonald's, you get a little scratcher, and you play Monopoly, and you could win something. Well, there you get stamps every time uh, you purchase stuff, like at a grocery store, and then you had these books. You know, I remember they had this thing where they spin the knobs, and then they'd pull this, and you get all these blue stamps, and then you could go trade it in for something. You know, like 500 stamps, you could get a pencil, you know? <laughs> then I remember, you know, it was really stuff out of reach, you know? It was like you had to have a truckload of stuff, and then you there was like a canoe. We never got the canoe. We never got the toaster. I think we just went there and went, whoa. 
But there was all kinds of stuff you could trade it in for. And what they were was whatever you had invested in, you'd get a return. And out of that return, you could redeem, or it was called a redemption center, buy something, get it to yourself so it's not just left. And so when he said redeeming the time here, he said, because the days are evil. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible. It says, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. That goes without saying today. The days are filled with evil. And all kinds of stuff within the days are filled with evil too. And we need to recognize that the days are evil and stuff within here is evil. Turn to Colossians because Ephesians and Colossians have a lot of things written alike. And rightfully so, they're truth. And so Colossians, the fourth chapter, I want to read a verse that is almost identical to this. And, uh, but it makes one more statement there. Notice this, verse 5, the fourth chapter. It says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Now, that doesn't mean people out there, out in the parking lot. That means people who are outside the kingdom of God, people who are lost, people who don't know Jesus, people if they died, they'd end up in hell. They'd end up separated from the Lord. He said, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside or outside the kingdom, who are not saved. Notice he said, redeeming the time. And then he explains some things that you need to do with how you approach them and talk and speak and stuff. But he said, redeeming the time. What's interesting is when he talks about redeeming the time, what that, what that means. The word redeem there, and I found this super interesting because the first time he said redeem the time. Don't waste your days. Don't waste your days. Don't waste your days. Why is it that you should not waste your days? You are saved. You're saved. What does it matter? But there are great reasons why an individual should not waste their days. Notice this. This is what the Greek means, meaning is. Of buying up the opportunity. Buying up the opportunity. Redeeming the time and then the word time is kairos in the Greek. It literally means a season to buy it up. Now, here's what's interesting. A time in which something is seasonable. Here's in, there's more to this definition. And this is super important when you think about redeeming the time. Because some things are seasonable. Let me say that again. There are some things that are seasonable that are not always seasonable. Isn't that true? Like, how many of you could think right now, if you went to a grocery store, there's certain fruits and vegetables that you won't quite see right now because it's not sneeze or sneezable. Either way, you want to say it. But it's not seasonable. 
You go there and you, have you ever thought, oh, I'd like some of those? Have you ever even thought, wonder why they don't have them in the store right now? And then if you ask somebody, they say, well, it's, that's, they're out of season. They're not, it's not seasonable. It's not within the season. What does it take to make something in season? They have to be planted. They have to grow. There has to be a tree. There has to be a bush. And certain weather conditions influence the seasons, don't they? And so there can be things that, you know, get pollinated. They start growing. They start coming to a place. There looks like fruits on the tree. And then all of a sudden it comes into season. And then you need to go pick that thing while it's in season because once it's outside the season, that opportunity is lost. The fruit has fallen, the fruit is dead, the fruit is gone. You had a time to deal with that. You with me? And so that is important when we're talking about redeeming the time because here's what it goes on to say. You know, some fruit is ripened at a certain time and needs to be picked. It literally goes on to say, making the most of every top opportunity, turning, turning each to the best advantage, since none can be recalled if missed. Certain things can't be recalled if they're missed. Not all things, but some things cannot be recalled if they're missed. Some things just have to be dealt with after, you know. I remember when I left Bible school and I uh, uh, went to work in construction. You know, that's a big difference. Bible school, construction. Hey, everybody's going, praise the Lord, glory to God. And everybody else is cussing and carrying on. And, and I'm not talking to Bible school they were doing that. I'm talking in construction. I remember I went up on this roof and there's a spoon and a syringe. You know, there, people are doing drugs. I, I, you know, then I, in, in, I'm on this commercial job site and I remember walking up and, and uh, these guys were like, well, who are you, what do you want? I said, oh, the owner of the company sent me here. They didn't know I was friends with them and I wasn't about to tell them. And uh, this one guy walked up to me, and uh, he was a big dude. And I don't mean he was overweight. He was a big, big boy. And he had tattoos. He was probably 40. And he had tattoos from his neck down, period. I, no, I didn't ask him, can you lift your leg? I want to see if you got tattoos. But all the parts that were exposed, he had tattoos, and his arms were much bigger than mine and you could tell he worked out and you could tell he was in a gang and right down the middle of his the the break in his elbow it said Capone like and his first name was Al and his gang name was Capone and I'm thinking hey praise the Lord you know I'm just out of Bible school and I'm getting to work with Al Capone you know and this guy just I was like Thank you, Jesus, you know? And I'm thinking, what? This is not, I didn't learn this in Bible school. They go, you're going to go to work and you're going to be around these people and they're going to be crazy. And so the second day, 
you know, or third day, I'm working around him, and the Lord starts dealing with me to witness to him. Praise the Lord. So, I, I, so we're walk, working, and I start talking to him about the Lord. And, you know, you know the Lord, you need to give your life to the Lord. And God starts moving on me really strong. And I was up on a ladder, and he was down beside, and we were out on the outside of this building. We were working inside and outside. We were, we were kind of more close to the end of the building, so it's all there. And, you know, and so I remember just God moving, and I said, I said to him, I said, you know, you, you need to give your life to the Lord. You know, you need to do this. And, and he, he told me, he said, he, he told me, you know, some different things, you know, how people had come across his path and how this was vital and how he, he, was, he was already talking to friends. And, uh, but it was interesting because here I know God is dealing with me to talk to him. And this maybe is a side thought because some people, when you hear that, everybody gets to make up their own mind what it is for God dealing with them. I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't, you know, we just heard an audible voice. But then we didn't hear an audible voice. You know, I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't hear this, this whatever. And I just knew I need to talk to him. I knew it, and God was dealing with me. So I, so I started doing that and talking to him. And, you know, I'll say this in talking to people, it's always the first steps that are hardest. Once you start a conversation about the Lord, as soon as you're talking, it's easy. And so I started talking to him, and, and as I did, I knew, man, God is dealing with him. And, and I could tell, I mean, God is gripping him. I'm thinking, it's better than me trying, you know. I mean, he is gripping him. I even said to him, I said, can't you tell right now God is dealing with you? These are exact words. He said, God is speaking to me right now in stereo. Those are his exact words. I still remember because uh, certain, you know, just what was going on. I was even thinking, I was actually kind of impressed how powerful it was. I was thinking, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> You know, I was. I was like, "Woo, God's working," and 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 so I'm talking to him, and I mean, I'm just contending with him, and I know I need to talk to him, and so I said, "You need to give your life to the Lord right now." Yeah, I said, "I'll come off this ladder and I'll pray with you," and he said, "I just can't." I said, "Why not?" He said, "Well, I just talked to one of my friends." You know, he said about this very thing, he just, and my friend told me, he said, you'll be okay if you die. And he said, and I looked at my friend, he said, if I died right now, he said, I know I'd go to hell. I said, ah, don't worry about that, you won't. I didn't realize until a few seconds later, like you snapped your fingers, I knew exactly what was going on. I knew he was addicted to heroin. And I said, Listen, he said, I just have to straighten up some stuff first. I said, no, you don't. You need to give your life to the Lord. When you give your life to the Lord, I said, he will clean you up. I said, just like when you go fishing. He said, I've never been fishing in my life. 
I said, well, when you go fishing, you throw hooks in, you catch a fish, and the fish you eat, they cut it open, they clean all the junk out so what's left is edible. I said, God will clean the junk out of you. And he said, I just can't do it. I said, you've got to do it. He said, I just can't do it. And I said, you need to give your life to the Lord. And I remember, you know, even the next day, I talked to him some. I, I was kind of, this is not real good, but I was overly impressed with how God was moving, truthfully. And um, that's not always good. It is nice to know God's moving, but I'm talking, he, it was so gripping. And uh, I even was thinking, this is an awesome story. Some people are more impressed with their story than, than what God's doing, you know, because, oh, he's using me. That's not appropriate. And I just thought, you know, I thought about later on because the next day, you know, I talked to him some and he still didn't want to budge. And then that night, I'm at home, nine something at night. The owner calls me and said, hey, you know, because he wouldn't normally call people, but he knew me. He said, were, were you working with Al today? I said, yeah. He, he, yeah, he was on a, the job site and stuff. And he said, well, Al's wife's calling and different people are calling. Nobody knows where Al is. And I said, oh, okay, whatever. You know, I'm thinking, great. Hopefully, they don't always call me when they don't know where somebody is. And so... 45 minutes, an hour later, he calls me. He's totally shaken up. He's just bothered. And he said, um, he said, they found Al. Al's dead. And then he said this to me. He said, you never know what people do right before they die. I said, that's an excuse. I said, I know where he was. He told me personally. In other words, don't push your opportunity aside thinking, well, they'll do something before they die. That's why God sends us. God knew that guy was in a collision course with death and hell, and he dealt with me. And I, after that, I said, forgive me, Lord. I said, I'll push until you deal with me not to push, especially when you're working like that. And, um, you know, and I could tell a number of things like that, but where people then did receive the Lord. But what he's saying in these verses is, is there are opportunities in life and there are opportunities with people in life that we need to redeem because the fruit is ripe. And if we don't do it at a certain time, people can go past it. You understand what I'm saying by that? They can get out beyond and something can happen and the fruit, it, it's, you know, like they said in the Greek, outside of the season and it can't be bought back. You know, because... There are just times when people are ripe. And here's what I've learned is sometimes, you know, we've worked to go reach somebody and we've reached, reached out to them and talked to them and they didn't want to hear anything. But if we're praying, remember this, God is mighty, he's strong, and he'll deal with people's hearts. And he can be dealing with them, working on them. You know, we had fruit trees in our backyard growing up. And uh, when the sun would be out on them, you know that fruit was getting worked on. And it just didn't get worked on overnight. And so we'd go out there, and we had a plum tree and nectarine and apricot and apple trees. And you'd go out there and pull, and they just wouldn't come off. You think, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, <laughs> I'm pulling, but it's just not quite the season. And then you go out and pull, and the thing comes off. And you go, I got fruit. And then all of a sudden, the whole tree ripens. 
and there's just fruit. There are enemies to fruit too. There are birds and stuff that will peck at the fruit and stuff like that. Understand, you go to reap somebody into the kingdom of God and go reach somebody, there will be other voices pecking at them too, trying to destroy that fruit from being brought in. Don't go there. Those people are crazy. No, you're crazy. You don't know God. But the big thing is, is that we need to pull on that fruit. And sometimes people have pulled and they've come back and they said, that person's never going to respond to the Lord. I prayed for him and did this. Quit talking like that. Understand that they're, they're fruit. They can be dealt with. They can ripen, so to speak. God will work in their heart and get them ready. And he said, redeeming the time because the days are evil. But he said, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Understand, just because I invited somebody one time or said, come with me, doesn't mean because they said, no, that was it. Notice this in John, the fourth chapter. We, most people know Ecclesiastes, you know, um, Three, because it was made famous first in the Bible, then musicians sang the song. There's a time, you know, a season for this under the sun to time to this and a time to that and a time for this and a time for that. That's actually from Ecclesiastes. But the second verse and the last half of it says there is a time to plant. There is a time to harvest what is planted. And there is one thing there that was planted in the earth. And, and Jesus said this, a seed must fall into the ground and die first, then it will produce fruit. Jesus was a seed that was planted in the earth. He died and he was buried, but then he was raised from the dead. That life is now available to the world. The believer can walk in that abundant life. The world can receive that life and be totally changed. They just need to be bought back. I mean, or redeemed, I guess you'd say, seized from where they are. We need to recognize this. Even the most, what people would call ugly, sinner, mean person, they are and could be very ripe. Paul was, he called himself the chief among sinners. In other words, he wasn't just a sinner. He's like, I'm a, I was like the head guy. I, he persecuted the church. He put people in jail. He had people killed. There was a time when Paul consented unto the death of Stephen. Matter of fact, maybe, I don't know, maybe he wasn't quite old enough yet. But he was there, and these guys are going to kill Stephen. And they're going to stone him to death for his walk with God and for his boldness to preach and share their faith. So if you think you're going through a test and trial, maybe look at Stephen first. You might not be going through something as bad as him. But they literally got a group of people and they're going to throw rocks at him and kill him. And they throw their garments, they take their jackets off. You ever gone, hey, let's throw rocks at this. And you take your jacket off because you really want to throw that rock. They did that because they wanted to kill him. It said they took their garments off and they laid him at Saul's feet, Paul's feet. And it said he consented. He was there. He was like, here, I'll watch your clothes so nobody steals them. Throw the rocks, go to town. And he was totally for it. And they threw those rocks and killed him. 
And um, we need to recognize that there are opportunities to make stands. Do this with me while we're talking. Turn to John. Did I tell you to turn there? John 4, because I was going to go to Ecclesiastes. But there is a time and a season. But, but we know this. There is harvesting time. There is time to reap stuff. And Paul was a, not a good-looking guy from an outward appearance. I'm sure the church was probably thinking, it'd be just nice if he was gone. But I'm sure they were praying for him. They knew that Christ had died for mankind. Some of the people that have reached the depths of sin and wrong, or, you know, you may look at them and think, oh, they're the most satisfied people in the world. They're a multimillionaire. No, they could have reached that peak and that pinnacle and realized the money doesn't do it. Somebody could have gone down to the bottom and said, it doesn't do it here. And Paul was bad. So when we see people who are just not as perfect as us, we shouldn't snub our nose at them and think, who are they? What is their problem? Listen, I was not a good person before I was walking with the Lord. At all. At all. What if people wouldn't have been praying for me or willing to reach out to me? And here's the thing. I know for me, when the guy, I've told this before, when the guy reached out to me, and this is not, I believe, the appropriate way to seize the the opportunity, but he witnessed to me, and we pulled into a gas station, and, and the guys pulled up behind us and honked, move your car forward to the next pump, and he turned around and cussed at the guy. And I remember him just covering his head going, oh, man, can't believe I did that. He's apologizing. I'm living where you're cussing all the time anyway, so it didn't even make sense to me that he was apologizing. But here's the thing. God got a hold of me through his unperfect way, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching that so people are like, oh, good. No. But I am saying, I was bad, and God was able to reach me. Don't think just because somebody's bad or somebody's treating you mean. They might treat you mean just because they're messed up. You with me? John 4, we're going to begin reading here. I believe what we'll do is we'll start in verse... Well, I'm not going to tell you the verse because I know what you guys will do. Some people start reading it, and I want to talk, and then you won't hear this. So this story has to do, right, because people will be like, oh, you know, after church, they'll like, did you read verse 43 before? I'm like, I hope you didn't read that during service. We didn't, weren't going, oh, it's good. You know, it has to do with the Antichrist. Then you miss, seize up this opportunity by listening, and it doesn't have to do with the Antichrist. Somebody's like, serious? Verse 43 right here. Eh? That's not about the Antichrist. That was hypothetical. But this whole context is where Jesus, you know, he, um, he had gone to this place where there was water. It was a well. His disciples went in town because they didn't have food to eat. They go into town. Jesus is there. He meets a woman who's not a Jewish woman who's not of the house of Israel, and he asks her for water, and uh, he starts talking to her, and, and all of a sudden he gets a word of knowledge about some personal stuff in, in her life, and she starts going, whoa, you know, this guy is a prophet, and uh, just a bunch of stuff goes down. She leaves to go back into town, 
and she, uh, when she goes back into town to grab some people, the disciples come back and say, hey, Lord, you know, we got you some food. And then verse 34, now we're getting close. Verse 34, he said, I have food to eat of that you don't know. He said, you know, my, will, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his course. In other words, there is something you get from God when you obey him that will feed you better than natural food. And so, but he had talked to her, God had worked in her, and then this verse comes right here, verse 35. This is where I want to look. He said, do not say, there are still four months. So here's the first thing he said is he said, don't say this. So if he said, don't say this, there might be an opportunity for people to say this, or maybe they have said this. He said, do not say, don't say this. Don't say this. Don't say, you know, there's a great harvest coming. Don't say, you know, in six months from now, four months. He, four months is not a long time, is it? We're, the, we're like right at the almost the second month of this year, 2019. Time goes by, doesn't it? You're like, it's not 2019. I was just seeing if you're paying attention. But time goes by quick. Doesn't it seem like it should be like 2003, maybe, 1998? Somebody's like, I wasn't even born then. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. It seems like it needs to be. It just time goes by quick. So four months is not a long time, is it? I mean, four months, sometimes people act like it's an eternity. Four months is real short. And he said, don't say in four months. And then comes the harvest. Now remember, we're to redeem the time or buy back when it's seasonable, when the time is right. Otherwise, you could lose it. And he goes on to say, four months and then comes the harvest. In other words, it'll be ready. It's right time to do it. He said, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white to harvest. Now, was he talking about rice and wheat and was he talking about different kinds of grains or things that had been planted? Not at all. He was actually talking about people because what happened in the context of his talking and saying this, when he said, lift up your eyes and look, that lady that had left had gone into town and started telling all the men, hey, there's a guy out here, he's a prophet. There, the power of God works in him. He had never met me before. I come to this place, and he asked me for water, and this went down, and then he told me all things I've ever done. And they knew she had been with several men. That today might not be a big thing. Back then, then it was huge you didn't do that. And so they're like, wow, he tells stories like that? Let's go see what this guy's got to say if he knows everything. He told me all things that I'd ever done. And so she grabs these guys or tells them, and they all start following. This is while the story is being told 
Jesus is telling the story to say, lift up your eyes. They're all look, looking and talking about the harvest. How many times have we got so fascinated with exactly how the Bible said and what the Bible said that we haven't lifted up our eyes to see who's standing all around us? And he said, lift up your eyes and look. He said, the fields are already white unto harvest. And what was happening when he was saying these things was a crowd was coming. A crowd was coming. And he said, lift up your eyes and look. He said, they're ready. They're ready right now. The time is now. And she had gone out to reach him and to help this whole process be what it was. And so notice this. He said, lift up your eyes and look for the fields. They're already white to harvest. And he who reaps receives wages. In other words, you're going to get a reward if you'll do this. Many times people want rewards in heaven because didn't the Bible say lay up treasure in heaven? And you will get rewards. And he said, and gather, he who, he who reaps receives wages. In other words, there will be a payment. And gathers fruit for eternal life. That can't be strawberries and oranges. That has to be people. Because he said, he receives fruit for eternal life. Notice this. Gathers fruit for eternal life. That is one of the most valuable things that every believer knows, is that we need to reap fruit for eternal purposes. People matter to God. Don't think God has not been dealing with people. You know, I, I was talking to Pastor Linda, and uh, uh, two, three weeks ago on a Sunday, I was, you know, I, I said, you know, I know the Lord's dealing with this one person, so I, I, I wants to, and I started praying, and I'd been praying for them the night before, and they weren't in church, and I said, God is dealing with them strong, and even Sunday night, I said, that person is sitting at home, and God is dealing with them, and they know they're supposed to be here, and do you know God dealt with them super strong because I talked to them later because uh, I know that there's something that needs to be adjusted in their life because they're in a dangerous place. And they told me, I said, oh, you know I won't always do this kind of stuff, but God's dealt with you. I said, you were at home and you knew you were supposed to come. And he said, yeah, I knew it. And, and he said, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And I said, and God, and I told him, talked to him about several personal things. And I said, you know, he said, God dealt with me about that. And he said, I know it's not good if I don't do it. I said, then you've got to do it. You've got to obey God. You've got to buy up this opportunity so it's not lost. You've got to redeem the time. And uh, I know this, God not only is dealing with him, God is dealing with people that you are around. And he's getting them ripe. So you don't have to say, well, it's four months. You say, well, but I invited or I talked to them. But he can be dealing with them and say, hey, why don't you come? And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah. You're like, wow, what did I do? <laughs> I must have used some fancy words that time. No, their hearts were being worked on by God. I said their hearts were being worked on by God. I had an experience like that the other day. I had talked to somebody. I said, you know, have you thought about this person? They don't even go here. And they go to a different church and stuff or did. 
So I, I knew God was dealing with them. So I sent him a message and just said, hey, you know, have you been, you know, this? I said, you know, dealing with you. And I didn't say God dealing with you. I said, you may have been thinking about this lately. Because some people don't recognize God dealing with them, but they're thinking about it. I said, you should consider coming over to the church over here and doing this. And they sent me back a message actually this morning and said, you know, that's interesting. We've actually been thinking about this. We've been talking to each other about it. But they're not saying, oh, God dealt with me. But I knew inside God was already dealing with them. Here's the thing. If we don't lift up our eyes and look, and we only look at things totally naturally, then we don't realize maybe that God is in the business of working with us and helping us. Remember, the Holy Spirit is called our helper. And there is a harvest that if people don't harvest certain people in the time they need to be, they can be lost. They can die. They can move away. They can get around the wrong crowd. They can end up somewhere where they're outside reach. You with me? And so here he said, verse 36, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap. And you know God sends us to reap, to bring people, to reach out to people, to seize opportunities in our own personal life. When God deals with us to be obedient to him, we're seizing up opportunities because they will produce something. Somebody said, well, I'll obey when it's more convenient. No, he's wanting you to seize the opportunity because you may need to be in a different place than you're at right now. And if you don't prepare, then you won't be in a different place when the time comes to slide you into that place. Right? You ever seen that? There's an uh, Asian game show where they get people and they make them go through different things and the wall slides and there might be a version of it here in the States too and you see this thing coming and I'm thinking some of those objects are cut pretty thin and I'm like, if that's me, I, I couldn't make it through. I'd be like, <laughs> you know. And so if I wanted to play the game and be ready when the time came, I might need to lose five pounds. You know, you don't need to amen. <laughs> Serious. I mean, there is no condemnation in Christ, nor at, nor at this church. But okay, so I get the amen. More amens on that subject than anything. But the fact of the matter is, if I lose the five weights, I'm ready for the game. Whether I fit through or not is, in, you know, get to the right position is another thing. But what is it? I'm going to have to prepare. And, you know, that could take a little bit of work to get there to get ready for that place to make it through. And so God will deal with people in their own walk because there's more than just life. There's a whole process in the kingdom. And, you know, how many of you know that... Um, to be in, in, in certain offices, you have to get to a certain age. To be in certain positions, even to work, you have to be at a certain age. But you have to develop, too, along the way to be ready when you get to that age to do certain things. And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. You've got to get ready. Obedience is a major key to seizing up so stuff is not lost when the time comes. And so, but we're talking also about lost people, too. 
Because there are people that are out there that will go off into eternity. I remember a friend of mine, uh, he, he went to this doctor. He had to have a physical for he was traveling or something. So he went, and uh, he went there, and uh, he you know, was going through this thing, and the Lord started dealing with him to, to witness this doctor. And he thought, this guy's got everything he needs in life. A week later, the guy killed himself. See, that's not seizing an opportunity that that fruit will, was ready, but now it's raw, it can never be bought back. Never be bought back. Some opportunities can't be bought back. You just got to buy up the ones you have. So notice this. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Understand this, there are others that have labored, there's others who have prayed, there's others who have witnessed, there are people who have bought television stations, there are people who, you know, who have gone on, who've witnessed to people and stuff like that. There have been people who've, who've prayed and are even dead now, who said, God, prepare people's hearts for, for a harvest. And, and so God's been working, laboring, and people have been getting ready for us to reap. But you can't say, I'll wait four months. There, I believe, are opportunities in reaching people, in obeying God, that have to be seized when the opportunities come. I'm going to close with this. I wasn't going to tell this story because there's a number of them. But I remember one time I was witnessing to this guy and I could sense God moving real strong, just the power of God dealing with his heart, you know. And I said, yeah, you should come to church sometime. And I knew, I, I, you know, I, actually I didn't invite him at that time, but I was talking to him. And then, then, the, then I started talking to him again, and here's what happened. He, he even said this. He said, you know, when I talk to you, he said, I really sense God doing something. And I thought, yeah, I recognize him dealing with you too. But I didn't say that out loud. After that time, the Lord dealt with me. You go witness to him. Invite him to church. And, and, and I didn't do it, didn't do it, thought I, I need to do it, didn't do it. And one night I was on, I'm going to tell you two stories, this one and one other. And so on the way home, or actually on the way to church one night, the Lord dealt with me to stop at this Mexican restaurant. And I even said, and I even said, Lord, I had Mexican food for lunch. Now, don't get me wrong. I can eat Mexican food pretty regular, but I was like, I got to get to church. I had Mexican food for lunch. He dealt with me. I literally drove past the restaurant. And I said, uh, I, had I had it for lunch. And the Lord kept dealing with me, go to the restaurant. So I went back, and the place is jam-packed. There are two empty places, a table right inside the door, like somebody just put it right there and she and then another one around this corner like where these bushes are you know like kind of little planter thing and she just sat me here with my back to the door so I'm like looking at the whole restaurant and nobody would help me 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 and they're serving chips to this person and salsa to this person and nobody's helping me and nobody's helping me. And, no, and I mean five minutes went by and 10 minutes went by and 15 minutes went by and I'm exercising patience thinking, Lord, you sent me here. And about 
20 minutes goes by, nobody has helped me with nothing. I mean, even if there were chips, that would have been good. And uh, in comes this, the waitress starts walking, you hear the door open behind this, in comes this, this lady and uh, this man, and they walk by me. And as they walked by, I saw the lady, didn't think anything of it, and I went, walk, saw him walk by. And I went, hey, that's that guy I've been talking to. I said, oh, his wife changed the color of her hair. They sat down, and I said, that's not his wife. And it wasn't a business meeting because she was sticking her mouth in his ear unless she had a, he had a hearing aid jammed in there, and he, she was trying to get it out. It was not right. It was not appropriate. It wasn't God. And I went, oh, Lord, I did not obey you with that. I knew I was supposed to, and I didn't do it. You were trying to help him not come to this place. And guess who shows up? The waitress. She said, hey. I said, I I'm not going to be staying. She said, oh, I'm sorry. It took so long and everything. I said, oh, no. I said, Actually, I said, it was, it was right for me to be here. I said, I have to do something before I leave. And she said, what? I said, well, I believe the Lord sent me here. She was like, what? I said, that man and that woman over there, I said, that's not his wife, and so I'm going to go confront him before I leave. <laughs> she looked at me like, are you serious? I think she wanted to sit down and have chips and salsa or something right then. <laughs> So I went to the bathroom, which was back behind, and I, but I, when I walked past, I turned my head away from him because they were so engaged, I knew he wouldn't recognize me. And so I went into the bathroom, got water, slapped it on my face, did a couple punches. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that. I just said, Lord, I said, I'm going to do, I said, the, the, part of what is happening in his life is not just his fault, it's my fault. It's my fault, too. I knew, and now his marriage is affected, and you were trying to ransom him from a problem, and I didn't obey you. So I'm going to go let him know that I know he's here, so he just doesn't keep fooling around. So I walked out, and right when I got to the table, I turned, and I didn't uh, shake his hand first. And I just reached over to the woman and I said, hi, my name is so-and-so because I wanted to know her name. Then I called him by name just so he, in case he was using a fake name. And he looked like somebody drained all his blood out of him. If he had dentures, they would have fallen right on the plate, right in front of him. I mean, he was like, ugh. And he shook my hand and pushed my arm away like leave. I said, I just wanted to say hi and let you know I got to see you here and everything. And just wanted you to know, hey, you know. Anyway, don't want to leave you with that story. <laughs> but I didn't seize the opportunity. But I've done better. And I remember uh, my parents had a neighbor and, um, well, we'll just close. We'll just close. God's our helper, isn't he? He's, I mean, I could probably sit here and tell you stories and stories and stories and God's stories, good endings. That wasn't a good ending. That didn't have to happen. Didn't have to happen to him. 
You know, and somebody might say, well, yeah, what a scoundrel he did that. Yeah, but God was dealing with me to, to talk to him. I believe the Lord was trying to, to, to avert that in his life. That's why obedience is important to buy back. So because can, can I seize that opportunity now and ransom from that rotten situation? No, it's beyond. Now he can be gotten back in right standing with God, but that now... That whole ransoming and keeping from that cannot be because it's happened. It makes you think of a different way of life that maybe some of the people that are doing some of the things they're doing is because of are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? No condemnation. Oh, it's funny about my five pounds. Now, look. <laughs> Yeah, everybody was laughing then. Now it's my turn. No, I'm kidding. Hey, all I know is this. God doesn't want us to miss opportunities for our own life and to reach other people. You might be surprised who has ripened in the week, in a day. <laughs>